is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at SNS Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on now where you can save thousands on a new roof. Call pound 250 and say SNS Roofing for your free bid. We're going to talk to our friend Keith Smith coming up here momentarily, get his take on uh, what we're going to see in the NBA playoffs and uh, what he thinks of the Utah Jazz opportunity to make a run. In fact, let's get to it. Let's jump out to the zone phone. He's a contributor for Yahoo Sports as well as Real GM. He's our friend Keith Smith. What's going on, Keith? Hey, a lot. You know, this is uh, one of those busy times of the year, but I'm really looking forward to it. One of my favorite uh, periods in the NBA calendar. Uh, absolutely, Keith. And around here, as you can imagine, there's there's a little extra juice. The Jazz have never uh, finished with the outright best record in the NBA. They've They've tied for it a couple of times, but never uh, had uh, it outright. How big a deal is that, do you think, uh, as far as, you know, something to hang your hat on? Yeah, I think that's huge, uh, especially this year. I, th- I think you want to, in what has been the weirdest season in NBA history, I think the more consistency you can build in, the better. And I think the Jazz have been remarkably consistent this season as far as the way they've played, uh, their style of play, and now they're going to have uh, everything run through their home arena for the playoffs, and that's absolutely huge. You know, you know, in, in this year, you want to limit travel, and they have one of the true home court advantages in the NBA, so you know, could, could be a big, big factor. So uh, what a lot of our listeners care about right now is who's going to win this game tonight <laughs> between the Lakers and the Warriors. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I'm leaning towards the Lakers. Just I think they're finally about uh, healthy. They they looked pretty good in their last uh, couple games health wise. So I'm leaning towards them. I feel like for the Warriors to be good teams, Steph has to be almost otherworldly, and I'm just not sure that he's going to have that in him again. Now, if he scores 50, 60 points tonight, absolutely the Warriors can win, and you know he kind of can do it almost by himself. But but I think the Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. This is a chance to not only get this win, get into the seventh seed, but also get off their feet for a couple more days and not have to play, you know, an additional game. So I think they're going to be motivated and come away with this one. Keith Smith is with us. Who who should Jazz fans be rooting for? Who who would the Jazz rather face? I mean, you're you're getting a tough opponent either way with the Lakers and Warriors. But what uh, what direction should the fans be leaning tonight? Yeah, you're rooting for San Antonio or Memphis to make a miracle uh, yeah, run right. uh, out of nine ten, right? But but out of Warriors, Lakers, I, I think you kind of want the Lakers to win. I, I think think you stand a much better chance of beating the Warriors. I know there's some history there, but that, those aren't those Warriors anymore. They they they're not that team now. And I think Utah is deeper. They're better. I think they're better equipped to defend what the Warriors do. Uh, some of that's Golden State's personnel. Some of that is what the Jazz do. So, yeah, you want the Lakers to win, get them on the other side of the bracket, and avoid them for as long as possible. Keith, we were talking about this earlier, but what did you see during the regular season out of the Jazz that that makes you think that they can really do some damage in the postseason? Yeah, a couple things that, that really stood out to me. I, I thought they um, – 
they, they were really good at moving the ball and finding good to great shots on a lot of their possessions. And I don't think that can be overvalued. I, I think, you know, we, we live in a world in the NBA where so many things are pick and roll or isolation ball. And I think the Jazz can do that. They have guys who can function that way, but they are also very good at running their stuff, running their sets, and then also freelancing into good shots when they need to. And I think that's where having, you know, a lot of guys can really pass in the lineup almost at all times. They've got three or four passers in there. I think that really helps them uh, get good shots. I also think they've been remarkably consistent with their rotations when healthy. You know who their eight, nine guys are. You almost know who those eight, nine guys are going to be for just about every minute of the game. They, they, they kind of stick to a pretty good substitution pattern that allows the guys to know who they are. They found the lineup combinations that work. And then the last thing that really stood out to me this year is how they defended the three-point line. They really did a good job closing out the shooters and making those attempts really, really difficult. And I think that helps having pretty good size um, across the board at a lot of different times in the game. That's allowed them to be aggressive closing out the shooters because they know they have the, the league's preeminent rim protector behind them if guys drive those closeouts. Who's the favorite in the Eastern Conference, Keith? It's probably Brooklyn, um, but but I'm not going to discount Philadelphia or Milwaukee. I think they both have some unique uh, things that can cause the Nets trouble. Uh, no, they, the, the Nets, no, nobody has a great answer for guarding Joel Embiid or the Giannis Antetokounmpo, but the Nets really don't have an answer for guarding either one of those guys. And then they have enough big, long, versatile defenders on each of those teams in Philadelphia and Milwaukee that they can at least make the Nets have to work for it offensively. That's the big thing. You're, you're never really going to shut down three guys that are as good as those three are, but if you can make them work for it, that, that you know, gives you a leg up. So I'd go with Brooklyn, but it wouldn't surprise me if Philly or Milwaukee comes out instead. Keith, if you had to pick one or the other, you just you had to, you had to pick one or the other. You couldn't have both. Which would you rather have, a lot of offense in the playoffs or a lot of defense? In a normal year, I would say a lot of defense. I think this year you want offense. I just don't know that the guys have it in them after this. I've been saying the normal NBA season is a marathon. This year felt like they sprinted a marathon the whole way. And I'm just not sure guys have it in them to, to play, you know, up to normal playoff level defense for, you know, what's going to ultimately be about a two, two and a half month long run here. I just don't know that we're going to see that. So this year, uh, only for this year, I, I would pick offense over defense. Keith, uh, the Jazz this year have several candidates for awards. Um, Coach Snyder for Coach of the Year, Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year, Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson, candidates for Sixth Man of the Year. How many of those awards do you think uh, are won? Or I guess who do you think takes home that hardware? Yeah, if, if anybody wins Defensive Player of the Year that's not Rudy Gobert, I really want to hear the explanation for, for picking somebody else. I mean, the things he has he's done this year as a defender are just ridiculous. He's putting up uh, defensive numbers. I know defensive stats can get a little weird at times, but when you're atop almost all of them, that tells me you're doing a pretty good job, and that matches to the eye test. Sixth man of the year, I it's funny. I, I'm almost one of those people who think, let's split it and call it the six-and-a-half man of the year award or something and, and give it to Clarkson and Ingles and let them split it because they've both been so very good and so important in that role for Utah. And then I think Quinn Snyder's coach of the year case is 
good. But that award tends to go to somebody who brought their team from being poor to really good. And I think for that reason, Monty Williams and Tom Thibodeau are a little bit ahead of him there. But I I still think between those things, uh, potential All-NBA appearances and like, I think the Jazz are going to do quite well uh, in in, um, the award season. Of everything that you can consider heading into this postseason, Keith, what excites you the most? What what could happen that uh, would spin your beanie a little? I think how wide open things are. It, you know, we went through a period where it seemingly was going to be Warriors, Cavaliers every year. And then we still, even as the Cavs dropped out, we still felt like the Warriors were kind of there. And then last year, I think a lot of us felt, all right, well, it's going to, it's the Lakers title to lose. You could give me about five or six teams this year. And I tell you, yeah, I believe it. I think that they could, they could, could win the championship. And I think that kind of, uh, wide openness, that variance is going to be re- really, really fun to watch these playoffs play out. Where are you at on the uh, play-in games, Keith? It did make the end of the regular season more interesting, certainly. Uh, last night, um, we saw a pretty good game between Boston and, and Washington and a really bad game with Indiana and Charlotte, and we'll see what we see tonight. But where, are you, uh, where do you fall on this? Should it be here to stay? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I think no matter what any of us think, I think the TV viewer numbers are telling us it's not going anywhere. Um, those are starting to come out now, and they were the highest viewed um, you know, telecast that they've had uh, outside of opening night. So I think that tells us they're going to be there. But for me personally, I like the play-in tournament. If they would make the tweak, uh, to it, I liked the games back requirements that they had in the bubble. I think if you're the seventh or eighth seed and you've built a four game lead or more, you've done your work already. You shouldn't have to then play in a couple more games to try to get in to the postseason. You already did what you had to do. Beyond that, I think it solved a lot of what the NBA wanted to solve. They want to get rid of that late season tanking. You're never going to fully eliminate it. Because we had this year, we had about four teams that kind of started the season that way and then never really stopped. But in a normal year, post-trade deadline, we have eight, ten teams that are openly not trying to win. They're positioning themselves for ping-pong balls. This year is really those four teams. So we get down to about two, three weeks left in the season and a handful more join them as they realize their years were over. But we otherwise, this thing went all the way down to the end, and I think that's great. It eliminated a lot of those bad and almost unwatchable games that we get on the NBA calendar nightly at the end of the season. So I think it's here to stay. So, Keith, if you are going to predict at this particular time who will be in the NBA Finals? What matchup do you think we're looking at here? Yeah, it's it's really tough. You could sell me on a lot of different teams out of the West between Utah, Phoenix, the Lakers, the Clippers, and maybe even the Nuggets. I'm a little bit worried about how much Jokic is going to have to do for them. But I think what we're in the end going to see is I think this might be the Clippers' year. Uh, to, to get through. I think they've got good depth. I think their guys are motivated after last year's collapse. So I'm going to lean with the Clippers just slightly in in the West. And then in the East, I'll still go with Brooklyn. Um, but again, it wouldn't surprise me if one of those other teams comes out. I just don't know how anybody's going to be able to outscore if they're healthy and, and on you know firing on all cylinders. how you outscore a trio of Durant, Irving, and Harden. I'm just not sure anybody can do that. Keith, we always look forward to our conversations with you. Thank you, as always. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Y'all stay safe, you and yours. Yeah. Back Thank at you. you. Our friend Keith Smith, contributor for Yahoo Sports and uh, Real GM.
Is Brooklyn your favorite back east? I think so. Not out east, yeah, but back east? Back east, yeah, I, I, I think so. That's the way I'm leaning. Uh, I know you have uh, stressed their lack of interest in playing defense. Is it a lack of interest or is it a lack of ability? Interest. I, I don't know. Maybe they're, like Locke says, maybe they're so good offensively it doesn't matter. But I still, <clears throat> until I see it, you can't be dreadful at defense and win a, win a champion. I mean, the playoffs, you know, Gordon, whistles get swallowed and defense gets amped up. That's what, that's what happens. And well, are they so good that they can buck that trend? I know it's not the best way. This sounds a little bit like uh, the person who, who uh, uh, falls in love with another but there are some major issues that need to be changed. And said person indicates that uh, they'll change. Okay, so they'll can change. I? it's funny so, you say that. Can I read this quote? Yeah. Because you can hear Chris Paul, his anger from here, reading this quote. <laughs> okay. James Harden said this on his uh, slight statistical dip since his <laughs> hamstring injury. He said this, quote, I thought that winning was all that matters. When I was doing the stats and filling up the numbers, it wasn't good enough. It's all about winning. Today in practice, I had zero points, and we won. Don't you think Chris Paul's like, dude, I've been, I, I, I was talking to Dan Tony all season about playing more of a team game and not just uh, being the James Harden <laughs> show and this and this and that, and they sided with you, and now you go on to a different team, and you're going, God, maybe that all that selfish play. <laughs> Maybe that that didn't give us the best chance to win. <laughs> After all, oh, what a what what a surprise! Well, you know that would be maddening you know, if I were a former teammate maybe, maybe to read that quote. A eureka moment for James Harden. Now, I I just it, there's a real danger in uh, in saying someone's going to change, and so when I think about your answer to my question about whether it's interest or ability. You say it's interest. Well, if it's interest, does that mean that it can be changed or that it will be changed, that they will play a little more defense because so, they know it's necessary? So I, I, you could not convince me that somebody capable of, of doing what James Harden can do physically on the offensive end couldn't play better defense than he does. Yeah. But Kyrie Irving, on the other hand, he is small. But we see Mike Conley play some above-average defense being small. At times. So, uh, I mean, I don't think it's a, it's a complete excuse. But if you want to break it down, I mean, he is, you know, you just don't see a lot of dominant six-foot-one defenders. It's well, just Chris not, Paul's a good defender. Eh, depends on who you ask. Well, a lot of people think he is, or was. Or he made a lot of, uh, of all defensive teams being able to poke the ball out from behind when he gets beat. Well, so could John Stockton. All right. I, we're talking about Chris Paul. <laughs> okay. He always led the league in steals because he'd get beat by his guy and then craftily like, Whoop, let's poke that out there. Well, what the, you know, potato, potato. I, I know, but it's not exactly what you'd describe as fundamentally good defense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never but mind. the point stands. It's more uh, obvious take here. It's it's easier to be a really good defender when you're bigger and longer. It's It's difficult when you're, you know, shorter and shorter <laughs> slower maybe uh i don't know because i wouldn't call kyrie irving slow certainly. no not at all not uh, not, not at all not in the slightest no so. come on i still think it's a matter of desire 
I think a lot of times defense comes down to that. Yeah. I mean, you, you get a, a player like Carlos Boozer, and maybe we were a little too hard on him for, for playing poor defense because his lateral quickness was so mm-hmm. not there that he was always going to be vulnerable in the pick and roll. So, you know, physical limit, limitations excuse me, uh, are a real thing when it comes to, to some players. But you look at these really uberly athletic players, like, and not to, to pick on the guy because I know they, that he's loved around here, but why can't Damian Lillard be an all-NBA defender? That's a good question. You know? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because the burden is too great, although I know you love two ways. So. I, I hate that excuse. I know. Trying so hard on offense, just take you know, just take take it off defensively. Take a few more yeah. shots. Oh, oh, I'm tired I'm now, coach. So winded. <laughs> All right, more straight ahead on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 the zone.